you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron the Addisons. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. and J-Mac are on tap. They are back at our headquarters mm-hmm. as we are on location at the Creation Museum. Yes. And this is day number two that we are at the Creation Museum in Kentucky, mm-hmm. near Ohio yeah. and Indiana. Yeah. And so pretty crazy. I'm trying to fit it all in. We still have more time to do that. But we have been enjoying ourselves. This is such an incredible opportunity for our kids yes. um, to really kind of take their faith, if you will, by the horns and say, hey, hold on a second. We have evidence for what we believe. Maybe that's not the best illustration. Somebody's going to say, Miki, don't ever say that again. And I'm going to say, yes, ma'am. All right. But joining us today is Bodie Hodge. Now, Bodie Hodge is an author and um, engineer and researcher, speaker and writer. And earlier today, he was given uh, giving a presentation on the Tower of Babel. I want to get to that in just a little bit. But first of all, I want to talk about all of the resources that the Lord has used you to either author or co-author that even as we were talking about it, you couldn't really nail it down for I, me. I really couldn't. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been on, involved in somewhere 25, 30 books, and I don't even know how many booklets and web articles and videos. Well, I've been, it's, it, I, I can't even That's incredible. That it's incredible, wow. but it's an incredible blessing to the body of Christ. And I said this, and, and you know, there's a, a dual meaning there. The Lord knows. That's and right. he, knows, he knows the impact of this work and what it's meant to the body of Christ. I think that people come through the Creation Museum and they're overwhelmed with the amount of information here. But you guys also make it possible for parents when they get back home to bring resources with them. Let's talk a little bit about some of the resources that we have. I'm sitting here behind a table with um, just a handful of some of the books. I posted <laughs> it on hand, Facebook. Big hands. It's a big yeah. hand handful. Um, but if you go to our Facebook page, you can see some of the books that are here. Um, many of these books, uh, by the way, our listeners write us on a regular basis and they ask us what mm. kind of books we are reading with our kids and what are we doing to, uh, as you guys know, indoctrinate them proudly. And uh, some <laughs> of the books are right here on the table, in fact. Yeah, it was kind of neat when I was laying these out. You're like, oh, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. So we're <laughs> like, oh, hey, uh, you know, I've got this one. I've been through this one, uh, which is really exciting. And, you know, that happens a lot here at this ministry because we have people come through the Ark Encounter. They go through the Creation Museum, and they, they get really excited because they see all this different information. Yes. Uh, but it, sometimes it's tough to just take it all in. Yes. And uh, so that's why we provide a lot of resources, books, DVDs. We have Answers TV, all these different programs so that people can take this home with them. They can use it with families you can use in their churches yes uh, christian schools and so forth so i mean we get a huge response from people that are just diving into these resources let me ask you this question Bodie, and i want to kind of back up just a little bit here how did you get into apologetics Uh, you know so many parents like myself we have such a great respect for our apologists right the lord raises up apologists in every generation and so here you are you are one in this generation how did this happen 
Well, you know, uh, I, I've gone to church since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I got saved when I was about nine years old, but that didn't mean I knew much. In fact, I would say I was stagnant all the way through my college years. I, I didn't know very much at all. And when I was in college, I started teaching at the university, and I started to struggle trying to answer certain basic questions. Mm -hmm. I remember somebody came up to me and they said, Bodie, who came first, David or Abraham? I'm sitting there like, oh, man, who came first? <laughs> I grew up in church, and I couldn't answer that question. And, you know, totally. like, yeah. I, I realized there's so much I just didn't know. In fact, I didn't know how to deal with things like Big Bang and evolution yes. and millions of years. And I was in a science field. Mm -hmm. You know, I just put the two into two different bubbles and just, just tried to answer wherever I was at. So one day I'm like, I got to start getting some answers. And, yes. and all of a sudden I started uh, uh, getting some books. I got a book uh, called The Great Dinosaur Mystery Solved from Ken Ham. Okay. It had just come out. And I was so excited about it. It was the first time I actually got good, solid biblical answers on the subject of dinosaurs. Yes. So I was excited about that. Um, I found answers in Genesis. I got uh, more involved uh, just learning myself. It, took, it, it was a learning curve. And yeah. it's going to be like that with anyone. But uh, one day, about three years after that, uh, I'd been using uh, Answers in Genesis materials and their website, and I'd been training kids, youth, you know, junior high and high school kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, one day I hopped on the website, and there was a little, little thing that said jobs. And I'm like, hmm, what kind of jobs do they have here? And they had an opening for someone to answer theological, scientific, and biblical questions. And they wanted someone with a science degree. And I'm like, wow, that's me. <laughs> and uh, I applied. And uh, let me tell you, they put me through a pretty rigorous interview process. But uh, they ended up hiring me, and uh, I haven't looked back. It's been wonderful. That's fantastic. And, well, I mean, you've earned your keep. You've, you've, produced, <laughs> you, you've produced resources, and you have contributed um, to the body of Christ at large, and we're so grateful for that. I'm wondering if you could kind of unpack for us, Bodie, the importance of answering some of these scientific questions for our kids. I think it can be daunting for parents. Oh, yeah. um, we look at this, and we go, we know that there must be some importance to this. It's got to be significant. But we feel overwhelmed. I'm wondering if you could maybe paint a picture of why it would be important for us to undertake maybe having some of these resources in our homes because our kids do have questions, don't they? Yeah, they absolutely do. And that's why, you know, out of all these resources, one of the first things I always recommend is our answers books. We got mm -hmm. four of them, and they actually answer about 120 of the top questions people normally ask. Mm -hmm. You know, questions like, where did Cain get his wife? Or why is there death and suffering? What about dinosaurs? Mm -hmm. uh, were the days in creation really six normal days? Was it a global flood? Uh, you know, how did Noah survive the flood? You know, all these are types of questions that, hey, we've got, we've got experts that came in here. They answer those questions. A layman can read it. In fact, as I would say, a lot of teenagers have no problem reading it. Mm -hmm. There might be the odd chapter here or there that deals with some technical lingo. But by and large, most people can follow those. And so it's really good to be able to say, okay, here are the questions. Don't be afraid of the questions. I love when people ask the questions, but don't be afraid to look at the answer. Yes, very good. Okay, so one of the books that we have here on the table is one that I just recently purchased for our family, actually, Confound the Critics. And so I want to talk about some of the attacks on the Bible that maybe are not as overt. Like often our kids and we ourselves are not going to stand up in an auditorium and debate someone on the Bible. But there may be subtle things that people say or believe about the Bible that are contradictions, and we don't know how to combat those. Can you maybe highlight just a few of those with some answers? Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, when it comes to people attacking the Bible, one of the main places people attack is Genesis 1 to 11, the foundational mm -hmm. aspects of the rest of the Bible. I don't know if people realize, but Genesis 1 to 11 is foundational to every major doctrine of theology, directly or indirectly. Mm. So, you know, questions about the six days, about the fall of mankind, or about the flood, or the, even the Tower of Babel, which, you know, I gave a yes. talk on the Tower of Babel today. Um, you know, 
these things come under attack. So how do we respond to those? How do we deal with that? Well, first step, always think big picture. There is no greater authority than God mm -hmm. on any subject. God is the absolute authority on everything. So the Bible, which comes with the authority of God, is that absolute authority by which we can trust. Now, I know we're in a culture where people don't want to believe the Bible. They want to say, well, let's just throw the Bible out. That's actually an attack on the Bible. Mm -hmm. And guess what? God disagrees with them. Who's right? God is. Amen. Um, so anytime somebody wants to object to God and his word, the question to ask in your mind is, by what authority do they object to the absolute authority of God? Yeah. And guess what? It is by man's authority, their own authority usually. Mm. They're basically trying to elevate themselves to supersede God. That's a fallacy called uh, a false authority fallacy or a misplaced authority fallacy. In other words, they're being illogical right off the bat. So I love being able to deal with it from that big picture. But sometimes there are those specific questions. You know, what about uh, you know things like death and suffering in our yes. culture? That's a big one. You know, people suffer. You know, my grandma died about a year, year ago this month or so. And uh, you know, it, it, you know it, it's tough. It's tough dealing with those types of things. So how do we answer that question? Well, the keys go back to the Bible. God, a perfect God, made ab everything absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. Genesis 131, after God created everything in six days, which isn't a problem for an all-powerful God, he declared everything very good. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says every work of God is perfect. We expected the work of creation to be perfect. And it really was. Mm -hmm. No death, no bloodshed, no cancer, uh, no heart disease. I mean, no COVID. I mean, it was perfect. Mm -hmm. Kids, no homework. Men, no baldness. I mean, <laughs> hey. It was great. <laughs> I, I, I'm losing it. But, uh, but it was perfect. Yeah. But see, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, that's when everything changed. God cursed the ground. He cursed the animals. He sentenced man to die. We're, we've basically been given a taste of what life is like without God's perfect hand on that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we need a savior to save us from mm -hmm. sin and death. That's why we need a new heavens and a new earth. Yeah. But when we're stuck in this world where we see all this death and suffering, sometimes people want to blame God. They want to say, why did God make the world like this? And a lot of times Christians are like, well, I don't know how to answer that. The answer is he made it perfect originally. It's because of our sin that it's like this, yes. which is all the more reason to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. You know, speaking of Adam, I um, was in a, a, a kind of a, one of those... Um, 20 question kind of exchanges with a kid recently who's not my own kid but all of our kids were just kind of gathered and she had a question about Adam and Eve and her question was whether or not Adam and Eve were saved like yeah. so they transgressed they sinned against God right um Right. Now, what think, happened think of that? Adam for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Adam lived, according to the Bible, he lived 930 years, and he has one sin on record. I blew that, blew that out of the water before <laughs> breakfast. That's a great point. I, I, I got an alarm clock. That <laughs> makes you sin every morning, right? <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, think about this. Yes, Adam and Eve, they sinned against God, but at the same time, God offered a sacrifice to cover that sin, mm -hmm. which is the mode... Uh, that we saw all throughout the Old Testament. All that's ultimately pointing to Christ. Yeah. So Adam and Eve, even though they sinned on that, and yes, the world fell, guess what? They looked more toward God again. Uh, we saw Eve, you know, when she had one of her sons murdered. You know, she had another child, Seth, and she was very excited about that. You know, the Lord has given her another seed. That's yes. the line. You know, so she was, she was looking after God. We could see them following after God mm -hmm. after this. They actually saw a perfect world, and they got to see what happened as a result. Now, in the same way that we look back to Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, they look forward to it. Mm, they just weren't revealed good. everything about it. But people in the Old Testament, people after the New Testament, we, we all get saved the same way, and that's by the saving blood of Jesus Christ. The key is looking forward to it or looking back to it. You know, I think there's so much in the scriptures, Bodhi, and, and maybe so much is an exaggeration, but there are some things in the scriptures that when we read them, 
we realize, well, I've just always been taught that and I've not really questioned it. Um, but I'm afraid that if I question it, I may not arrive at the answer that I hope. You know, I think some of us are in that category. Um, I'm thinking of the question of Eve interacting with the serpent. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go back and let's yeah. look at this through like a kid's eyes, right? Yeah. So you've got a woman. You know, I wrote a book on this. Did you write a book on this? <laughs> the, the Fall, fall of Satan. Of Satan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> looks at all this stuff going on in Genesis. Yeah. I feel like you are a literal. There's an app for that. <laughs> yes, you beat me to it. Um, but let's look at it through the eyes of a child. So you've got a woman in a garden mm-hmm. and a serpent is speaking to her the voice of a human. Right. That's really difficult for a child to understand. And the first question is... It's difficult is, for any of us to all understand. Of us, yes, exactly right. A snake is right. talking or, you know, a serpent's <laughs> talking to me. How do we um, explain things like that to our children right. and not, you know, throw them off? Right. Well, you know what? Um, First, let's go back. You know, it was a perfect world. Yes. Everything was perfect. Guess what? They probably could have talked to angels and all sorts of things. Mm. Um, You know, if we think, uh, you know, some of those uh, glimpses we've got into heaven, you got the four living creatures and things like that. And they're singing songs and they're speaking and things like that. Mm. So this isn't a a problem for God. And it's a perfect world. They shouldn't even have been afraid of this. it's after the fall that now we start to see these conflicts. We see the tension between us and snakes or mm-hmm. spiders. Or, yes. I mean, for me, it's the spiders. My, for my mother-in-law, it's, it's the mice. Give her the spiders. Oh, give, her the, yes. give her the snakes. <laughs> keep, keep the mice away from her. But, um, you know, when we go back and we think about that, it was a perfect world. So we, we need to understand that world was different than the world we live in now. Yeah. Now, I mean, if a snake comes up to me and starts talking, there's something <laughs> wrong. I better pinch myself and wake up or something's really wrong. But, you know, even think of Balaam. There yes. was a donkey that yes. spoke back to mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, by the power of God allowing this sort of thing to happen. So it's not a problem for an all-powerful God. And I think sometimes kids, mm-hmm. they go, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's true. That's, that's mm-hmm. not a problem for an all-powerful God. That's right. I think we struggle with it. So So I guess my follow-up question, we can talk about this a little bit more on the other side. And I kind of want to stay here talking about here, okay, the fall of Satan, because I think that that's another one of those questions where maybe we have some misperceptions. Maybe we ascribe um, things to Satan that we shouldn't. I don't know. Maybe we can unpack that just a little bit here. (laughs) Um, But maybe we have some reason to believe that the animals maybe had a different level of communication before the fall. Um, Am I outside of the realm of just to even think that way? I don't think you're off the mark at all, actually. Okay, we'll grab the break real quick, and then we'll come back. Bodie Hodge, we're at the Creation Museum, and tomorrow we'll be at the Ark Encounter. Aaron the Addisons, (laughs) stay right there. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 every gift matched. 
Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hi, I'm John Sorensen, President of Evangelism Explosion, and this is Share Life Today on American Family Radio. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is working everywhere all the time, drawing people all over the world to Jesus? And the same Holy Spirit lives inside each one of us. So when it comes to sharing our faith, we don't have to be afraid. Witnessing under the direction of the Holy Spirit is just seeing where God is already working and then joining Him in it. When it comes to witnessing, our part is simply taking a step of obedience and sharing our faith. And then the Holy Spirit's part is drawing men and women to Jesus. Wow, how easy and exciting is that? In John 5, 19, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. So our job as a witness is simply following Jesus' example to only do what the Father's already doing. So watch and see where God is already at work and then join him there. To learn more about sharing the gospel, visit sharelife.today. He put that hunger in your heart He put that fire in your soul His love is the reason To keep on believing When you feel like giving up Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We are broadcasting, this is our second day broadcasting from the Creation Museum. And uh, we are so excited. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, Jay Mac and Sherry B are on tap, and we are so grateful for them holding it down for us at our headquarters while we broadcast away. And joining us um, is Bodie Hodge, who is an engineer and a researcher at Answers in Genesis, and he's written uh, well over 30 books. Well, oh, well over 30 it's books. Quite a bit. I, I don't want to lowball <laughs> you there, but well over 30 books. And we were talking about this, and even talking about this uh, during the break, our faith is so fascinating. And the things that the Lord has allowed us to know, right? Like that we come to him in faith, but the Lord also reveals himself to us. He wants us to know him, right? He wants us to understand even our common enemy. And so you've written a book, The Fall of Satan. We were talking a little bit about this. Kind of explain to our listeners the scope of this book. Yeah, it's answering a lot of those questions that people have right there in Genesis chapter 3 about the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did the serpent have legs? Questions like that. Yes. Um, you know, so we're dealing with a lot of those. There's actually a lot of connections between the fall and the gospel. Just as a, as a quick example, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, you know, God cursed the ground and all this different stuff, but he said man would return to dust. He said there would be thorns and thistles. Out of all the things, you know, Paul in Romans chapter 8 says the whole creation is cursed. Yes. Why did he mention thorns and thistles? Why, why did he mention we would return to dust? Hey, did the body of Christ ever return to dust? 
No, he resurrected before it even saw decay. Mm -hmm. What about those thorns? Well, there was a crown of thorns shoved on the Lord's head. You know, there's so many little connections wow. in there, and sometimes we, we, we miss those. Yes. Uh, because it's so far apart in the Bible. Talk about the deception. Um, you mentioned this during <laughs> the break, and you were unpacking it. And, and so I'm an, I'm an active listener, and in order for me to understand, I've got to be able to restate it in my mind, right? And so you were talking about this this twist yeah. of the enemy and this deception here with Eve. Share that with our listeners. Yeah, that's right. You know, the serpent was extremely clever, the Bible says. And, uh, you know, it's got this phonetic ability to be able to speak. You know, parrots can do that. Yes. But parents aren't, parrots aren't that bright. <laughs> but, you know, when Satan is influencing uh, this serpent, you know, that's where the cleverness really comes from. And the deception was actually brilliant. Now, we sometimes miss it in our English translations. You know, you know, we have the serpent. Oh, you will not surely die. Okay, you fell for that. Yeah. But, but it's actually very clever. When Adam was first told not to eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there was some very careful ways things were stated. Uh, you know, he was allowed to freely eat from any tree in the Garden of mm -hmm. Eden. And if he didn't, he would die, die. Or in our English translations, it says surely die. That means begin to die, more okay. of an aggressive sense. Now, what happened? So let though? me let me pause yeah. you for sure. a second just to get some clarity. So die, die here, surely die, begin to die. This means that death enters the human genome. Is that is that what that yeah. means? Yeah, basically, if Adam and Eve were to sin, they were going to die. Not die immediately at that moment, not die, um, you know, that day. They're going to begin to die. Wow, okay. And so, you know, Adam, of course, lives 900 years or, you know, plus, and then, then he dies. Sure. He dies somewhere in there as well. So th there's that. Now, the serpent then, being influenced by Satan, comes and, and questions the woman. Hey, are you allowed to eat all these, these trees? And she's, you know, her response was less than perfect. She actually took away that word freely eat from any tree. She removed any. But she also added something. She said, we can't even touch the tree. Right, right. And then she said, otherwise we will die. And when she said die, she said die once, which means die immediately. So they couldn't even touch the fruit or they would die immediately. So then the serpent comes back. You will not die, die. You will not surely die. He basically quoted the Lord back against her. Wow. It was a very clever mm. deception. And then all of a sudden she stepped back. Oh, that's right. And so here's the serpent quoting the Lord. And now she's going, oh, let me decide. Wow. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I mean, wow. you think about it, like, what are the implications of deceptions like that that are very similar to that today in our culture? Oh, boy, that, you know, they're all around us. You know, yeah. how, how many times do we read something in Scripture and somebody says, this goes right along with Scripture, and then you look at the Scripture and you're like, well, it didn't quite say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. I mean, it happens all the time. Yes. And, and the sad part is it's, it's happened to me in my history. You know, right. there's times that I'm like, oh, wow, boy, I, I was thinking wrong on that. That's this. right, for a long time. Yep. And then yep. when you, you, and this is what we tell our children, we say we want to keep the text in its context. We tell, yes. Whenever someone says, hey, just this one passage, and they use this entire or just this one passage to make this entire point, I always say, man, you know, it, it's not disrespectful yeah. to say, I'm going to read a little bit further back and then a little bit further below yeah. this just to make sure that I understand right. the heart of what God is communicating there. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, Satan tried to do this sort of thing on Jesus. Remember mm -hmm. when, he, yes. you know, the, the spirit led Jesus out to be tempted? Uh, you know, by, by Satan. And this is Satan directly right there. He's going to have a go at Jesus. And what does he do? He uses a psalm and tries to make it literal. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of taking a psalm out of context. Jesus corrected that by quoting from a literal 
historical account to correct that understanding. Amen. You know, so I mean, uh, Satan tries to be very clever with that. Of course, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that's not a problem for him. Yes. But you know, Eve fell for that. But you know, I mean, Eve was deceived. You know, the Bible says she was deceived. Now, I feel sorry for Adam. This guy, he wasn't deceived. Oh, okay, let me see that fruit. Let me eat. Because <laughs> the Bible specifically says that he was there, Bodhi. Yeah. So, so isn't he, it So amazing? he knew exactly yeah. what fruit that was, what, yeah. what he was eating. That's oh. fascinating. Um, do you think that most Christians underestimate the enemy, or do they overestimate, or are we right where we need to be? <laughs> it could be anywhere on that spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we're in a culture today where... You know, the culture all around us, they try to tell us, well, Satan doesn't exist. Angels don't exist. God doesn't exist. So that's one of the deceptions going on uh, here in our culture. But you go to some other places, to Africa or Asia, some of these places, they know Satan exists. Hmm. You know, they, 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 they deal with those types of reflections all the time. Um, but at the same time, sometimes they may be overdoing it. So, you know, they're, they're, it just depends on probably where you're at and what you've been influenced by. And mm-hmm. then finally, on this topic, what are the um, life implications of underestimating that we actually have a common enemy? Well, I tell you what, it can have eternal consequences. That's, That's right. the point. Because, you know, anytime we can be deceived by Satan, you know, he's got us. You know, he's got us in his grip. And, uh, you know, what we need to do is always compare all things. And this is even for people out there brand new to all this. Go back and compare all things to God and his absolute word. God is always right. Mm-hmm. Satan isn't. That's Satan true. can use, you know, 90% truth and 10% error to, mm. to throw you into a, into a mess. And you know what? Um, and that was tough for me when I was younger because sometimes I didn't, I didn't want to be corrected. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, I, sometimes you have that pride. Sometimes it's even a form of academic pride even. But mm-hmm. what you got to do wow. is you got to humble yourself before the Word of God and say, God, you're always right. Let me deal with this in context with what it's saying. Amen. I want to I spend some time talking about the Tower of Babel. Um, the significance of that and our kids understanding this, even as we understand cultures and mm-hmm. languages and how understanding biblical history, actual factual biblical history helps to shore them up even in 21st century America. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, when I went through from kindergarten all the way to college, in fact, as you guys may have been taught this, too, that we evolved out of Africa. We were dumb <laughs> brutes, not very hunters and gatherers. Finally, we got smart enough to plant some crops and stick around in an area to get a harvest, mm-hmm. make some rudimentary shelters finally get some early civilizations like Indus Valley or Mesopotamia. I was drilled with that. Yes. Do you realize no ancient culture recorded anything like that? Where did that idea come from? It came from Charles Darwin's book in 1871, The Descent of Man, that we evolved out of Africa because that's where the apes are. Wow. And so they, they, they've rewritten a brand new history. But cultures all over the world kept track of their history. And what's interesting is we find king's lists all over the world that go right back to one of Noah's sons, grandsons, great-grandsons. The, their names are reflected all over the yes. place. Um, you know, for example, uh, one of Noah's grandsons' name was Ashkenaz. So that's an odd, odd name. <laughs> but Ashkenaz is the ancient name for Germany. A lot of the Jews that fled hmm. and lived up in the land of Germany became known as the Ashkenazi Jews. They're yeah. still called that even today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the variations of that name is Scandinavia or the Asaxons. Mm-hmm. So those names are actually variations of one of Noah's grandsons. Yes. Uh, great-grandsons in particular. But we find those names all over the place. The Hebrew name Mitzrium, that's, the, that, that's Egypt in the Old Testament. That's actually one of Noah's grandsons. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we see this all over the place. Sometimes we just don't know that history. 
but it is powerful when you start to look at it. We find that stuff all over the world. I'll tell you one of the things that has been most fascinating, even as we walk through history with our kids, to, it's been for them to see the extra biblical accounts mm-hmm. of names and places that are also in the Bible and to understand that this is not just Christian history, but that this is in fact world history. That's right. I mean, the, the Bible gives that foundation for all of history. Of course, it follows through. Uh, the line leading down to Christ and what's going on there. Of course, we see some parallel lines, what's going on in Egypt or Greece and some of these other places at a time. But yeah, the Bible gives that foundation for all of world history. And we find these types of things all over the place. Just the tower itself. Think about this. It, it's it's like a step pyramid, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a ziggurat. ziggurat yeah. And, uh, you know, people fled from the Tower of Babel. They go all over the world. Guess what? They took their building project with them. In <laughs> Egypt, China, Middle America, they have all these uh, uh, different ziggurats and pyramids. Pyramids are specialized forms of uh, ziggurats. Here in North America, we have the big mounds. They have some of that in Europe as well, in Northern Europe. So, I mean, we see a reflection of that building all over the world. It's just fascinating. Wow. Tomorrow, we are going to be at the Ark Encounter for the very first time, and we are super excited about that. Um, But, you know, we exist in the midst of a culture who would say to us um, it was a localized flood. Yeah. that what you guys believe is a fairy tale. And you add to that the pictures that are often painted, literally <laughs> and figuratively, of the ark, these uh, animals Bath hanging over arts. the side. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? I mean, and it just really doesn't serve us well. Talk about the significance of um, what the ark encounter will present to people who visit and mm-hmm. how we have a worldwide record of a global flood, even in other cultures. Oh yeah, there, there's over 300 flood legends just in North and South America. There's a book called Echoes of Ararat. Uh, uh, a friend of the ministry, Nick Ligori, is he's trying to account, you know, put together all these accounts from all over the world into one uh, uh, big volume set. And he's got North and South America done over 300 just there. Wow. These things are all over the place. Mm. But you know, that, that bathtub arc, it really drives me nuts because it, it's not even remotely close to the dimensions given in scripture, 300 mm. by 50 by 30 <laughs> cubits. Right. That's over 500 feet long, you know, when you convert that to our, our, our modern measurements uh, that we utilize. But just consider, when, when you look carefully at that account, yes. if there was a little local flood there in the Middle East, you know, Tigris, Euphrates, Rivers, which is what people want to try to throw that out there, uh, there's a huge problem with that. Why would Noah have to build this gigantic ark right. and put all these animals on there where they could have went over the hill? Right. Especially the birds. Right. You know, just, just fly over the hill. Um, you know, it doesn't make any sense, especially for its size and its scope. It was clearly for a global flood. I mean, we see continental shifting as a result of this. The mountains rising and the valleys sinking down, like Psalm 104 talks about. Yes. Um, you know, we see such a massive scope of this. I mean, we find the fossil layers miles deep. That's from the flood of Noah's day. Mm-hmm. But we're in a culture where people look at those rock layers. They want to deny it was a global flood and say those rock layers were laid down slowly and gradually over millions and billions of years. That's just flood sediment. Wow. Of course, we, we've had rock layers since then, but most are from the flood. So, you know, we see things like dinosaurs in these rock layers. They were laid down during the flood, not millions of years ago. See the see the differences yes. right there just in our worldview. You know, I am so fascinated um, with the book of Job. I mean, you look in the book of Job and there is so much evidence in the book of Job. I love to read this to our kids and talk about this. And you imagine, at least from what we read in the Bible, that Job would have been a contemporary of Abraham, maybe living around the same time period, maybe. I, I know what, different, what would people, you say? D- different people uh, debate that. Some put him around Abraham. Some put him actually uh, b- between Joseph and Moses. Some people put him at the time of the judges. So there is variations on that. I think Usher put him just before Moses. Okay. Um, so I know there is debate over that. Either way, it's an ancient book. Well, and it refers back to what would have 
happened after the yeah. flood, right? So God uses the storehouses for where the ice and the snow and all of that yeah, are kept, or the snow. That, yeah. And so you can see that he would have been familiar with life just post the flood. Is this something that you guys... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, when we think of any of these old people, you know, back in those days, um, you know, we, th there's a reflection of things that are much different than our modern culture. So, you know, the, the flood would have triggered an ice age. And, you know, a lot of people use some of those passages in Job as a reflection of what we see in the particular, you know, the ice age, um, you know, which you take a lot of water out of the ocean, you put it on land, it exposes land bridges, animals can get to various parts of the world. It actually all makes sense from a biblical viewpoint, how animals can get to Australia and stuff in light of these kinds of things. But one thing in the book of Job, uh, Job chapter 40 talks about a critter called behemoth. And, yes. you know, it's got a tail that moves like a cedar. Mm -hmm. It's the first of the chief of the ways of God. It's out in a flooding Jordan River, has no fear. The lotus trees hardly give it shade. This is some sort of massive creature. Yeah. And, uh, you know, by its description, it actually fits a creature very similar to like a sauropod. And sometimes people don't realize that until they're reading it going, okay, this isn't like any creatures we have today. Mm. You know, so, I mean, we still see a reflection of that. You know, dinosaurs are made on day six. They're land animals. Um, you know, as a result of sin and the curse, they've been going extinct ever since. Yes. They were on the ark, they came off the ark, and they've largely died out, just let's, like everything else is, you know. Let's make a shift here before okay. we run out of time in this segment, and let's talk about world religions. Let's talk about yeah. how we train our, our kids and equip them um, to encounter people who have different belief systems, right? And, and they're going to run into yeah. this. But I think as parents, sometimes we struggle with when we introduce um, something that will contradict what we've been trying to train our kids in. What do you recommend? Well, once again, step back, big picture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was involved in this big World Religions and Cults book series. We hit over 60 World Religions and Cults in that. But here's how we start that book. There are only two religions in the world. That's a just two. God's and not God's. <laughs> and if, if it yeah. doesn't come from God, one way or another, it comes through the mind of man. Mm -hmm. Even if it is satanic or demonic, it still comes through the mind of man. And that means man's ideas have been elevated to take people away from God and his word. That's humanism in mm -hmm. its broadest sense, mm. which means all these other religions, whether it's atheism, Hinduism, Islam, uh, Buddhism, whatever it might be, is because man's ideas have been used to supersede God and his word, to take people away from God and his word. When you understand that from a big picture, the key is then, well, let's go find where man's ideas are utilized in here to take people away from God and his word. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do in that book series. Now, we worked with experts from five continents to write and review that book series. We got people that were involved in the local culture where those religions are at, and we're dealing with it head on. Wow. Oh, man, I hate that I'm hearing this music right now because I had a, this is <laughs> the World Religions and Cults book. In fact, we were just going through this because we were uh, teaching the kids about Buddhism, mm -hmm. and we were looking at some of the, you know, the miracles, and man, we had such a great question that I don't have time to ask you now, so I'll just have to talk to you about this during the break and then maybe allude to it when we get back. Um, Bodhi Hodge, thank you so much. You bet. God My bless mind you. is like this. Is, <laughs> this has been great. All right, we're going to grab the break, and when we come back, uh, we'll have two more Addisons join us, um, just to reflect on their time here at the Creation Museum and talk yeah. about all there is to love. There's great excitement. Um, they love learning and being able to defend the faith. So this has been a wonderful time. All right, Aaron the Addisons, American Family Radio, live from the Creation Museum. We'll take the break, and we will be right back. One of the most controversial topics in Christianity today is homosexuality. The Bible is clear about it, but the world has been relentless in its attempts to shift our views, and that's caused confusion and increased pressure to bow to the culture. 
In his Engage Magazine article, Homosexuality Comes to the Church, Standing Firm in a Culture that Embraces Chaos, M.D. Perkins gives scripture to dispel the lies of the world. Sign up for your complimentary copy today at EngageMagazine.net. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she was like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about, about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose, and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us, that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse, and there is no one who knows you better, and this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives, and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D 800-YES-WORD or click sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org org and all I know is you're my only Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We are broadcasting live from the Creation Museum. Tomorrow we'll be at the Ark Encounter. No broadcast mm-hmm. tomorrow, um, but we are so excited to have this experience with our kids. They've been here with us for the last couple of days exploring the Creation Museum. We were here in 2008, 2009, I think. A long time ago. And, um, but <laughs> our two, at the time, only two kids, yeah. um, were not old enough to remember or appreciate what we were experiencing. And so they're here True. this time, and they have an incredible opportunity to be able to soak in some of the things around them. And so joining us um, to my right is J.D., J.D., say hello. Hi. 
All right, and then right across from me is Gabby. Hey, Gabby. Hi. All right, and so we wanted you guys to join us today to kind of talk about the experience that you've been having here at the Creation Museum. Gabby, I want to start with you. I want you to tell me first, what were some of the things that you were hoping to experience um, when you came here? And then we can talk about what you actually did experience here. Um, I was hoping to experience like a lot of different um, like depictions of things that we've learned, like the Ark in the beginning. And I feel like I definitely got a lot of that. It was yeah. really fun. Yeah. And it helped me kind of get a picture of what was happening. It's so well done, isn't it? As you walk through and just kind of see history, you see the progression of history. You see God making things perfect in the beginning. And then you see the fall. You see sin enter the world as a result of man's rebellion. It's really kind of eye-opening and breathtaking. What about you, J.D.? What were some of your expectations? And then tell me, how have those expectations been met? Um, I was hoping to see like stuff like... First of all, I was hoping to get some more defenses for, like, if people were to say stuff like evolution is, is true and creation isn't, like, um, some more evidence to back what, I, what I'm saying up. And maybe, like, kind of what Gabby said, like, visual aids and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they, were, they were definitely there. Like, I saw a lot of those. Do you feel like you've been able to take it all in? Do you mm-hmm. feel like you've been able to observe everything and, and get a new or maybe even a deeper perspective of your faith? Yes. So, but it's a lot of information. So what is... Uh, what are some things that stuck out to you? Like, what what's some things you're like, man, this was really awesome? Um, I've always really been into astronomy and the study of stars. I like any chance I get to study them. And we did something called, like, it was like the planetarium. Yeah, yes. We got yeah. to see, like, the galaxies and the different stars and the name of the stars and, like, some of how the stars are made and stuff like that. Yeah. Isn't that? So when you consider that, so when you look up, if you, uh, you know, the Bible encourages us, if you want to know what God is, is like that we, when you look up and you see the vastness of the, what God has created, what does that do for you as a follower of Christ um, for your belief in God? It just makes me feel like what the evolutionists are saying can't be true because there's too much order and there's too much plan. Mm. I feel like for everything to fall perfectly in line and for there to be an order, it couldn't have just been random chance. I feel like there's no way that yeah. could have been. Yeah. What about you, JD? I know you enjoyed the planetarium as well. It's cool seeing how like our planet is the only planet in our galaxy that can support life. And it's like, you can't, like what Gabby said, it can't just have been like, some kind of bang and then all of that just happened and came. Yeah and you know you guys are growing up in a culture and you already know this where there are going to be um, the celebration of competing ideas and maybe even for me to call them competing ideas is generous because it seems as if uh, Christianity is welcomed (laughs) to compete but really it's suppressed in our culture. Um, Gabby I'm going to start with you. Do you feel like you are equipped to give a reasonable defense for your faith, even when it comes down to the sciences? I feel like before, kind of, but I feel like now, I feel like I have more answers, and I don't think that I will be, like, in a corner anymore. Like, yes. I thought that before, but now I feel like I kind of have, like, answers to questions. Yeah. J.D., is it encouraging for you to be on the side of truth? Like, when you think about the different perspectives, and sometimes those perspectives, when they are battling it out, um, they're the ones that are celebrated today. They're the ones that are um, most accepted, and it can seem like they're winning, but 
truthfully, they are not. Unless you are on the side of the Lord and on the side of truth of the capital T, those things are losing. Um, how does that how does that make you feel to be on the winning side? It's yeah, like it's nice to know that you have the truth and like while people are running around in different places looking for the truth the truth it's nice to know that you actually have it and you and when you feel like you don't know it you can just go to the word and that's where it is all right so let's take um your minds on a walk through the creation museum (laughs) there's a lot to take in yeah i mean you you go here i mean and you almost kind of walk through and experience um the seven seas of is it the seven seas of creation yes Mm -hmm. okay do you know them gabby can you tell me what they are I'm putting you on the spot. The seven C's. Ken Ham will be so proud of you if you can <laughs> recite the seven C's of creation. Creation, corruption, catastrophe, confusion, Christ, cross, consummation. Consummation. Very good. Oh, my goodness. Tell her what she's won, Will. Um, I can't do that. So as you, <laughs> as you walk through um, the Creation Museum, and I know we're all looking forward to the Ark Encounter tomorrow, yeah. um, what exhibit or what part of the museum has um, or have you enjoyed the most? Probably, like, one of my favorite things was seeing all the animals, like, in the garden and how they all live together. I really liked mm. seeing that. Yeah. And I also like seeing them build the Ark. That was pretty cool. It was fascinating how you've got you've got the animatronics and you've got these um, conversations and these questions that you can actually interact with some of the exhibits. Did yeah. you? What about you, J.D.? What was your favorite? What do you enjoy? I was, I was going to say exactly what Gabby said. It was um, showing, first showing creation and then it was like um, how the, then, them, them eating the fruit and then the fall. And that was my favorite part, like what Gabby said, the creation part. Also, it was really cool because in this one exhibit with um, the ark, you could actually ask Noah different questions on like the selection screen and he'd answer them. Yeah, you know, I'm really excited for you guys because I think that you have an incredible opportunity um, to be able to add to your faith knowledge. But the faith in the Lord comes first, right? The build You build your faith, uh, you grow in your knowledge of God, but truly there has to be a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you, you can give a defense for the faith, but you've got to at least be in the faith, right? What encouragement do you have for kids who are listening who may be questioning their faith or maybe they have doubts about what they believe? JD, what is your encouragement? Just remember that we have loads of evidence, even if you don't know it all, just to remember that you have loads of evidence. And if you ever feel like, I don't know anymore, like I'm kind of shaken, just always go to the Word and it has all the answers for any question pertaining to life. Have you found that? I, I joke with you a lot. Um, and, you know, I am, let's, let's, let's turn to it. I am, let's read it. And so often <laughs> when we have things going on in our family, like, I mean, we rarely have conflict. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Look at I her. She's, she's like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, yeah, that 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 was yeah, is an illustration. But when we do have conflict, we can go back to the scriptures, even to know how to navigate that mm-hmm. conflict. Have you guys encountered a situation? Now, I'm I'm asking you this, and I I mean I don't know what you'll say here, but do you feel like you've encountered a conflict, even with you know among yourselves? where you feel like the word of God um, has not been sufficient to help you guys navigate that. Um, You're like, we don't have conflict. I can't think of one off my head. Like, was, like you mean like a disagreement that we had and then we turned to the scripture? And then it, it didn't, there was no solution in the word of God. 
I don't think so. Yeah, I haven't been able to find one. I haven't. In fact, it's amazing to me that us as human beings, um, how pegged we are in the mm-hmm. scriptures, how the yeah. Bible reads us in a literal sense and tells us exactly who we are. Gabby, let me turn to you, um, to a person listening, maybe another 13-year-old girl. By the way, Gabby is 13 and JD is 11. So to a 13-year-old girl who is listening and she has questions about her faith or maybe she faces external pressures, um, because as you know, the outside world really presses in on the believer. And there's great pressure to sort of just go along and quote unquote fit in. What encouragement do you have for your peers? Um, My encouragement would be that um, the God that you serve made everything perfectly. There's there's nothing wrong except sin and that really is because of man. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't feel discouraged or like what you're believing isn't true because God is too powerful for there to be anything wrong with your lifestyle or what you believe Mm, as a Christian is what you mean. Yeah. Because the pressure there is to make less of God. Right. And the, and the pressure there is to not live for the glory of God, but to just live like everyone around you. Do you sometimes face those pressures? Um, yes, but it's only things. There are some things like I don't do that and I don't want to do that, but there are other things that are kind of like, it's not even really that I need to do it. It's just so many people are doing it and they're kind of like connecting over it. And it's kind of like, yeah. I want to be able to do that. But for the most part, I don't really feel like I ever want what other people have a lot mm-hmm. when it's like, like not Christian. Yeah. There's yeah. only a few things. So are you, are you telling me that you are content with the Lord? Yes. You're content to love the Lord. Man, that, that really warms my heart. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because, you know, that is what we pray for you guys. We pray that you guys will um, receive the true faith and that you'll be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and that you'll stand in your generation. And that's part of what we um, seek earnestly to do is to equip you to stand in your generation. J.D., what book are you reading right now? In the Bible. In the Bible. Sure. I was going to just a book generally, but then also what book are you reading in the Bible right now? Um, The book I'm reading in the Bible right now, I'm reading to the I'm in the process of reading to the gospel. So right now I'm in Matthew. Mm-hmm. I recently started and as just like a, another book I'm reading, I'm reading this book called Saul of Tarsus, the first terrorist is by uh, Jack Minter. So it's a it's a fictional. It's a novel, though. Yeah. So it's like um, the life of Saul. But. It's not. It's not real. They took some like uh, artistic liberty in it. Yeah. But it's not. It's not like, like you know exactly. But it's kind of like the life of Jesus and the life of Saul and how they like overlap. Yeah. Some of them. So I have to keep telling you because you were sharing with me what you're reading in this <laughs> novel and we were talking about it, and I have to keep sharing with you that everything that before you allow this to plant in your brain as fact, yeah. you have to check it against the word of God and make sure that it is accurate. How far are you in that book, Jenny? Um, they're like, it's a big book. It's like 57 chapters. I'm like on chapter, um, maybe like 16. Okay. Cause <laughs> wow. I, I picked up that book, but, but I didn't read it. But JD, <laughs> JD took it and he started reading, man. I can't believe. Kudos. I can't believe. I picked it off. like, man, this look interesting. It's interesting. You know, right. but I didn't, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's, what is it again? <laughs> Saul of Tarsus? The first terrorist. The first terrorist. Wow. <laughs> and you were reading, you actually were reading a little bit of it to me while we were packing mm-hmm. and getting ready to go. And I thought it was really interesting, this author's um, artistic take yeah. on Saul of Tarsus. So anyway, what about you, Gabby? What are you reading right now? Um, uh, I'm supposed to be reading like, 
It's supposed to be like a book, like not in the Bible, but like a book. Yeah. For school, it's supposed to be reading through the Looking Glass. But my favorite book series I just found out has three more books. Talk about your favorite book series, especially since we're here. So I didn't know that there were three more books. Let me just say that in my defense. Mm -hmm. But your favorite book series is actually one that is written and produced by Answers in Genesis. And what is it? It's the Truth Chronicles. It's about these four people like traveling back in time. And the last ones, they were like in high school. And these ones look like they've graduated. There's like new adventures. I'm really mm. excited like to get at least one and get started because I thought they were done. I like that hint that you just dropped there. You're right. like, I'm really excited to get at least one. Yeah. Oh, on, the, I was on this about, trip? No. <laughs> I was talking about like me buy one because I can't get all three of them. Oh. It's too much money. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> oh. Now she's going to buy something. Well, just pray about it. If, no, it, were, <laughs> if it were you, I probably would have said get all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, J.D., definitely come back here again oh yeah definitely yeah the yeah creation, yes would you and recommend it gab yes yeah 100%. we haven't even seen the arc yet so yeah yeah, yeah i'm really Man. excited is this yeah. like a, is this like a healthy oh i have to be careful i was gonna say is this a healthy shot in the arm i don't know if i should say that nowadays <laughs> is this a healthy shot in the arm they are all the squinting leg. shot in the well, leg okay shot. there we go it's <laughs> For your faith and for what you believe. Are, are you guys excited? Have we had a fun yeah, time? Yes. Really yeah, yeah, you've gotten to have a really great experience. It's a nice mix of, like, um, entertainment and, like, fact and, re- like, religious fact. And, like, if you uh, see, like, the different cultures in the world and all that. Well, yeah. We're going to put your resume in. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> JD is already applying for jobs here at the Creation Museum and Answers in Genesis. So anyway, we'll see how that all goes. One last question as we come to the end of the show here. If you had to pick one surprising thing, one thing that maybe you didn't expect that you discovered or something that you were surprised to learn, can you share that with our listeners? You go, oh, I didn't know that. Or, well, which that might be the entire museum. Um <laughs> Don't say that it is because that means that we're not doing our job. So just pick one thing that you were surprised to learn. I was surprised to learn that the blue stars were hotter than the red stars in the galaxy. I thought the blue stars would be like cooler for some reason. I guess because like they're blue. Yeah. But that was really surprising. Now I see why it would be because like blue fire is hotter than red fire. I just never thought of it like that. Very good. JD, what about you? Just really how big our galaxy is. Like I'm the universe. Like I knew it was big, but like after watching the, the planetarium thing that we did where we saw like the simulator and all of that, I just didn't like it. It's just really breathtaking. Like to look at like how far you can go out in the different universes and how like our universe compared to all the billions of other ones is just like it's immeasurable. Mm-hmm. It's immeasurable, and you can see why our God would say, "If you want to know what I'm like, look to the heavens." Right? Consider the vastness of the heavens. We're out of time until Monday, Lord willing. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.